Hoi hoi, my dear friend, my, my, my dear friends, Livy and all other assorted humans and non-humans listening. Um, hi, it's been a minute since I've read to you and I'm going to read to you again, but before, as per usual, I've got things to say. So, if you're here exclusively for me to read Game of Thrones to you, skip right ahead. And if you're, if you're, if you're, if, if, if you're excited to, I don't know, if you're excited. Maybe. If you're just waiting on the edge of your seat for me to tell you about my life, well, here we go! First, most excitingly, Libby, I did not send you screenshots because, well, it's just too much to screenshot, basically. But I got another message, and I want to give a shout out to Yara. Um, you are incredible. Incredible! I'm amazed to hear of your strength and fortitude and tough times and I'm also humbled and like I, 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 speechless I feel I feel speechless okay I'm gonna read a snippet of what Yara said to me she said this is a mid-sentence so give me a break listening to you made me really happy even when I felt I could never be happy again I could literally never imagine that I could, that I could make someone happy. You know what I mean? Like I, I that I could bring joy to someone that they they wouldn't have otherwise had. And I, I, I didn't realize. And I guess I'm just, I, 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 well, I already cried about this, so I don't need to again. But I might. It's, it's happening. Um, I just, I, I struggle. I struggle a lot, you guys. <laughs> I do. Um. And this is this helps me and because it and because of that, because it helps other people too, it just feels like impossible. <laughs> you know what I mean? It feels like impossible. How how is there no I don't know. I I don't know. Okay. Alright. Now that I've got tears in my eyes, <laughs> I don't really want to It's not sad. Everything's good, you everything is good. Yara, I love you. Libby, I love you. Everyone else, I love you. Um I'd love you. So, and I love hearing from you. So, if you want to if you want to reach out to me, if you feel so inclined, um feel free for sure. Um I'm on Inst I've been using Instagram as the place to find me. But uh yeah, Hanukkah Miggins. <laughs> My actual name is Monica Higgins, but it's hilarious to swap the first letters. It's hilarious. Okay? It's hilarious and you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, so all right, now that I'm done feeling about that, ooh, kind of warm. I what else? What else has happened? Um, uh, oh, I went on vacation. I think that's probably the primary thing that happened since I've last read to you. And this vacation was with my parents and Jared, and that's it, because brother lives in Georgia, and um, yeah, so. Basically, my parents rented an Airbnb cabin type dealio. It, I mean, yeah, it's a, I don't know, it's a house. It's a cabin, whatever you want to call it. It's got, you know, running water and electricity, so it's so it's a house, basically, to me. But it's on a lake, so it makes it a cabin? I don't know. What is the definition of a cabin? Whatever. But we went there, and it was good times. And I have I achieved some of my goals. I... I'm a few shades darker than I was when I went, and I would like to continue 
becoming um, more melanated because the dress that I'm wearing for your wedding lib is beautiful and the color is beautiful. It's just not beautiful on my skin tone as at my pastiest. And I'm hoping that at a on a tanner version of me, it will look better. But perhaps I'm just being, I don't know. Perhaps I'm being, a, I'm, not, I'm not being, a, I don't know, whatever. And I need vitamin D anyway, so I need to go outside. So maybe, you know what, I should go for a bike ride. It's Friday. Oh yeah, yeah, for reference. <laughs> it's Friday, July 29th, 2022, and it's 3.14 p.m. Hashtag pie. And, um, yeah, I got done working, working for the weekend. And my short week, because I, I went back to work on Thursday. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we went on vacation from Saturday through, we came home on Tuesday night. And during that time, the cat, uh, he, he was boarded for the first time. For the first time ever since we'd had him. He had to go to a facility, <laughs> which is... Um, we took him to Muckamore and it's in Plover and it's a really nice, it's a really nice place. Um, it's like, I think a family, like their house is there, but they've also got like the outbuildings that have the dogs and cats. And he was in his kitty cat condo where he basically was in his little jail cell that had, um, a window and it had multiple levels, multiple steps. I imagine I did not go in there, but tears where he could choose where he go, I guess. And, um, yeah, so that was the first time ever. And, well, I'm just going to say this. When he came back, I immediately noticed he was different. How was he different? His smell. He smelled different. He smells like baby powder, like talcum or talc. I don't, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, um... Like, I don't know if it's the litter that they use there. I don't know if it's a cleaning solution that they use there. But he smells different. I'm not saying he smells bad. He just smells different. And it's, it is, <laughs> it is weaning. He is starting to smell like home again. But it's, it was just something that was unexpected. <laughs> and, and kind of, I don't know. I thought it was funny. It's kind of funny. But, um, anyway. So when we were on vacation, the dog came. So that's like a contingency of these Airbnbs that we stay at with my parents is that we have to be able to bring the dog and their dog is <laughs> her name is Lily but I don't know I don't know why I just it's really hard for me to call her Lily so I call her Billy I don't know why it feels hilarious <laughs> but it feels hilarious to me to call her Billy so I do and um yeah so she was there and um <laughs> I don't know, you haven't seen her, I don't think. But she is a uh, bull, I don't know, she's like a bulldog mix of some sort, I think. Like an American bully. I don't know what she is, really. But um, when they got her, she had a lot of extra skin. I think she was, I think she had puppies when she was young. And she had a lot of extra skin. And um, <laughs> we would like tease her and play with it. Well, now they've had her for a couple of years. She is filled out. Oh, extra skin and there is a hardly any extra skin to be seen she is basically a walking footstool she is very rotund and she's got these little legs 
and she's like basically a princess so like the whole time we were outside she really she doesn't like to sit on the grass or she doesn't like to go outside when it's wet outside like to walk in the wetness or to sit in the wetness like she, but she did get used to like sitting down laying down in the grass but bugs irritated and you know what she i'm i'm sympathetic i'm a sympathetic sister because i do not like bugs buzzing around me like if i hear a buzzing i'm just like oh i tweak it's like yeah I, something in me changes and i just become like <laughs> i don't know like a, a monster but um she like bites at them so if there's like something buzzing around her or she feels something land on her she'll like turn around and bite at it and it's really funny and the highlight of the trip with Billy, um, or I, I guess at least in terms of Billy, was when she jumped off the dock. Except that she didn't think she was jumping off the dock. I don't think. Um, I don't think she. I don't think she realized she was jumping into water. So at this house, there we were right on the lake, and I don't know what. I don't remember what the name of the lake was, but Jared looked it up, and the is it's a nasty lake and you can tell by looking at it it's like 90 percent muck and like five percent sand and I, I i don't know what the, i don't know i'm making these numbers up but basically about those ratios okay i need to take a sip my mouth's up wrong anyway so we go down right to the water however it was very mucky and ucky and there was a lot of lily pads growing in the shallow water and there was a, de a dock that was a very sketchy like probably the sketchiest dock i've ever been on i think it was made of wood and was very weather beaten and basically like looked like a giant like if someone that was massively huge and i'm talking like paul bunyan if paul bunyan bitch slapped a dock that's what it looked like or if he just like kind of pushed down on it and squished it to the side it was just like slanty and sketchy and it wiggled and wobbled when you walked on it but overall it was sturdy enough to hold i mean it, hold, it held all of us at one time so I don't know. anyway so it was kind of difficult to fish because there's a lot of lily pads so you would like cast and then when you reel back in it would get caught everything would get caught everything was always getting caught in the lily pads so at one point it was just Jared and I that were outside. My parents were inside, I don't know, taking a nap, whatever. But Lily was outside with us and she was on the dock. She's like upset. Like last year she was like obsessed with the frogs. She was so excited. And so this year, like, my dad's like, Ooh, we gotta we gotta catch her a fish and give you know, give her a an experience. So Jared was fishing and she's like very excited. Very excited. She's the whole time excited about fishing. And um, Jared was fishing off the dock and he made, I don't know if there was like naturally a small hole in the lily pads off the dock that he was jigging in. And um, he said that she just like leaned, like was looking over into the water and was like, like kind of crouched down and then just like jumped in. And I <laughs> believe him. I Cause so I was like sitting by the campfire kind of, not really by the campfire, but like in the yard by the campfire reading because that's another thing I did in vacay and I achieved goals by finishing the Witcher series, but that's on side note. I was reading and I heard a boop. <laughs> I was like, what? But it was like a loud splash and I was like, what? And so I got up and looked and yeah, it happened. She was there in the water and she was like basically under the dock and she just like was kind of standing there. 
and she like looked at me and I was like oh my goodness like what okay you can do it come on yeah 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 and I started cheering for her and so um so the dock there's a dock for walking around on and then there was a dock next to it which was basically like two platforms one that was like sitting um like on solid ground and the other that was at an angle so that it acted as like a boat launch and so I w went by the boat launch I was like you can do it come on and she was like doggy paddling like but it was like splash 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 and through the she just went right under the deck or the dock and came to me and then beached herself like she didn't hardly crawl up on <laughs> out of the water before she laid down and like looked at me and I was like all right I guess I'm carrying you um, so I had to carry her. I had to heft her, which she's a massive. She's a large, hefty dog. Very overweight. Very unhealthily. My parents feed her way too, way too much human food. But then we rinsed her off. And in this whole thing, my parents never heard the ruckus. Like, we had to go in and tell them and be like, you missed all the action about everything. Like, we thought that she was going to fall into the water. That's what we thought because she's like kind of clumsy and just clacking around up there. But she didn't fall, she jumped. And I think she was jumping because she thought that the lily pads were earth. And she thought she was jumping onto the earth. I don't know. She's dumb. But it was funny. And <laughs> of course, naturally, I had to immediately be like, Jared, put that on the juice network. Because that's our family chat. So that Spencer could see it and get the juice. Uh, because, <laughs> because he missed because he missed the vacation. But um, other than that, I think the other cool thing that happened was we went to the casino, which is the second time I've ever gone to the casino in my life, and it was extremely underwhelming, just like the last time I went, and basically, frankly, kind of disappointing. However, I'm not going to complain too much about it because we, well, we went there for dinner, which was like, mm, not that great it was like not good I mean it wasn't bad but it like wasn't that good it kind of felt like a cafeteria to be honest with you and um then we went next door to the to the casino portion and dad gave us all twenty dollars and um we went in there and so I don't know have you ever I don't know if you've ever been to a casino but oh, the casinos I've been to are very limited to um in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin so I've been to the Nakusa one and I've been to now the Mole Lake Casino. Mole Lake Casino. Um, and so they're just, they're like, I don't know. Okay. When I went to the Nakusa one, it was also under construction, I think. So maybe I'm not having the best sampling, but the ones I've gone to are just like a lot of slot machines, essentially. Just like a lot of <laughs> games, I guess, which it's like you press a button which you're so you're just betting like you give you put money in there or you get a vouch of a ticket for money because like once you put money in if you don't lose it all and you cash out it will give you like a, a ticket that you would redeem somewhere else to get your actual money um <clears throat> so but it's just like a bunch of those games that you would see like but more bright and fancy versions of the ones that you'd see in a bar so you just like put in the money and then you bet so you like I don't know you have a, like a multiplier of how many bets or how many lines that you're betting on and then which adds up to a certain amount of dollars or pennies 
and then you you basically hit go and it randomly i don't know it randomly generates a thing and then tells you if you win or you don't which i don't know how you're supposed to know that like if it was doing it wrong would you ever know you would never know you're just like please give me money and so sometimes it's like yeah it's like bing bing yeah you get money and then other times it's like eh. but usually doesn't make a bad sound but anyway it's just like i don't know it's like not that great and it's kind of weird there's just like a lot of old people who are just waste i don't know it just feels very stupid because it's not even like you're playing cards like you're not doing any you are not really interacting at all you're just like hitting a like a randomizer and hoping for the best it's but 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 the point is my whole point that i'm not trying to complain about <laughs> the casino is that i left with $59 i entered with 20 and i left with 59 yahoo because as soon as i hit the winner that got me to 59 i was like i'm out of here <laughs> heck no i'm not throwing this in the garbage so um yeah that was the other highlight of of the trip but um now i'm parched yet again so i'm going to take a slurp and read to you we're gonna read we together <laughs> are reading from Bran's perspective, this is Bran Stark, son of Ned and Catelyn, and um, the second to youngest of his legitimate sons. Uh, Alright. <clears throat> the hunt left at dawn. The king wanted wild boar at the feast tonight. Prince Joffrey rode with his father, so Rob had been allowed to join the hunters as well. Uncle Benjamin. Jory, Theon Greyjoy, Sir Roderick, and even the Queen's funny little brother had all ridden out with them. It was the last hunt, after all. On the morrow, they left for the south. Oh me, oh my. I hope this sounds better. Because, holy crap on a cracker, I'm so dumb. So, I'll tell you this. I I stopped recording just to take a, just to re-listen to it. And, um, I did that. And then I was like, oh, this is really bad. And so I'm not, I'm not going to re-record, I'm not, I didn't re-record the first part because I'm selfish. No, it's really, actually it is because, <laughs> because I already did record this entire chapter and I think this, a similar spiel at the beginning, but when I went and listened to it before I posted it, it sounded awful. It was like very boomy and echoey and terrible. And then... Um, I had to redo it and it's because I, it's because I meant to, I was going, I started, I started disassembling my setup to bring it with me on vacation so that I could do it in vacation. And then I was midway through disassembling when I realized that I'd cut off more than I could cut off. I had bitten more than I could chew and I didn't know how my setup actually worked. So I didn't, I was just like, I'm, I'm, I can't do it. I'm abandoning it. So when I came back from vacation, I had to reset it up and I reset it up like a moron. And also then <laughs> when I started recording, wasn't even using the right microphone. So I was going through my computer and it sounds bad. So yeah, my sincerest apologies, but uh, without further ado, I think I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna keep going. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think on the morrow they left from the south. 
Bran had been left behind with John and the girls and Rickon. But Rickon was only a baby, and the girls were only girls, and John and his wolf were nowhere to be found. Bran did not look for him very hard. He thought John was angry at him. John seemed to be angry at everyone these days. Bran did not know why. He was going with Uncle Benjamin to the wall to join the Night's Watch. That was almost as good as going south with the king. Rob was the only one they were leaving behind, not John. For days, Bran could scarcely wait to be off. He was going to ride the King's Road on a horse of his own. Not a pony, but a real horse. His father would be the hand of the king, and they were going to live in the Red Castle at, the, at King's Landing, the castle the Dragon Lords had built. Old Nan said there were ghosts there, and dungeons where terrible things had been done and dragon heads on the walls. It gave Bran a shiver just to think of it. But he was not afraid. How could he be afraid? His father would be with him, and the king with all his knights and sworn swords. <laughs> sworn swords. Bran was going to be a knight himself someday, one of the king's guard. Old Nan said they were the finest swords in all the realm. <laughs> realm. In all the realm. There were only seven of them, and they wore white armor and had no wives or children, but lived only to serve the king. Bran knew all the stories. Their names were like music to him. Sirwin of the Mirror Shield, Sir Ryan Redwine, Prince Aemon the Dragon Knight, the twins Sir Eric and Sir Eric. <laughs> One spelled with an E and the other spelled with an A. And when I say that, I mean E-R-R-Y-K and A-R-R-Y-K. Who had died on one another's swords hundreds of years ago, when brother fought sister in the war the singers called the Dance of the Dragons. The White Bull. Gerald. Hmm? Gerald? I don't know. Gerald Hightower. I want to say Gerald. That feels better. It feels closer to Gerald. Anyway. <laughs> Sir Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning. Barristan, the Bold. Two of the Kingsguard had come north with King Robert. Bran had watched them with fascination, never quite daring to speak to them. Sir Boros was a bald man with a jowly face, and Sir Marin had droopy eyes and a beard the color of rust. Sir Jamie Lannister looked more like the knights in the stories, and he was one of the, oh, he was of the King's Guard too, but Rob said he had killed the old mad king and shouldn't count any more. The greatest living knight was Sir Barristan Salmi. Barristan the Bold, the Lord Commander of the King's Guard. Father had promised that they would meet Sir Barristan when they reached King's Landing, and Bran had been marking the days on his wall, eager to depart, to see a world he had only dreamed of and begin a life he could scarcely imagine. Yet now that the last day was at hand, suddenly Bran felt lost. Winterfell had been the only home he had ever known. His father had told him that he ought to say his farewells today, and he had tried. After the hunt, oh, after, oh, wait, where am I? <laughs> Sorry. After the hunt had, oh, yeah, after the hunt had ridden out, he wandered through the castle with his wolf at his side, listening to, what am I saying? I'm making up words. Okay, intending. I don't know why I said listening. <laughs> oh, man. Intending to visit the, the ones who would be left behind. Old Nan engaged the cook. Micken in his smithy, Hodor the stable boy, who smiled so much and took care of his pony and never said anything but Hodor. The man in the glass gardens who gave him a blackberry when he came to visit. 
but it was no good. He had gone to the stable first and seen his pony there in its stall, except it wasn't his pony anymore. He was getting a real horse and leaving the pony behind. And all of a sudden, Bran just wanted to sit down and cry. He turned and ran off before Hodor and the other stable boys could see the tears in his eyes. That was the end of his farewells. Instead, Bran spent the morning alone in the godswood, trying to teach his wolf to fetch a stick and failing. The wolfling was smarter than any of the hounds in his father's kennel, and Bran would have sworn he understood every word that was said to him, but he showed very little interest in, cha in chasing sticks. He was still trying to decide on a name. Rob was calling his Grey Wind because he ran so fast. Sansa had named hers Lady, and Arya named hers after some old witch queen in the songs, and Little Rickon, Little Rickon, she called his Shaggy Dog, which Bran thought was a pretty stupid name for a direwolf. John's wolf, the white one, was Ghost. Bran wished he had thought of that first, even though his wolf wasn't white. He had tried a hundred names in the last fortnight, but none of them sounded right. Finally, he got tired of the stick game and decided to go climbing. He hadn't been up to the broken tower for weeks with everything that had happened, and this might be his last chance. He raced across the god's wood, taking the long way around to avoid the pool where the heart tree grew. The heart tree had always frightened him. Trees ought not to ha ought not have eyes, Bran thought, or leaves that looked like hands. His wolf came sprinting at his heels. You stay here, he told him, at the base of the sentinel tree near the armory wall. Lie down. That's right. Now stay. The wolf did as he was told. Bran scratched him behind the ears, then turned away, jumped, grabbed a low branch, and pulled himself up. He was halfway up the tree, moving easily from limb to limb, when the wolf got to his feet and began to howl. Bran looked back down. His wolf fell silent, staring up at him through slitted yellow eyes. A strange chill went through him. He began to climb again. Once more, the wolf howled. Quiet, he yelled. Sit down. Stay. You're worse than mother. The howling chased him all the way up the tree, until finally he jumped off onto the armory roof and out of sight. The rooftops of Winterfell were Bran's second home. His mother often said that Bran could climb before he could walk. Mama, ma. <laughs> okay, I don't know why. I don't know why. Bran could not remember when he first learned to walk, but he could not remember when he first... Oh, he could not remember when he started to climb either. So he supposed it must be true. To a boy, Winterfell was a great stone, a gray stone labyrinth of walls and towers and courtyards and tunnels spreading out in all directions. In the older parts of the castle, the halls slanted up and down so that you couldn't even be sure what floor you were on. The place had grown over the centuries like some monstrous stone tree. Maester Lewin told him once, and its branches were gnarled and thick and twisted, its roots sunk deep into the earth. When he got out from under it and scrambled up near the sky, Bran could see all of Winterfell in a glance. He liked the way it looked, spread out beneath him, only birds wheeling over his head while all the life of the castle went on below. Bran could perch for hours among the shapeless, rain-worn gargoyles that brooded over the first keep, watching it all, the men drilling with wood and steel in the yard, the cooks tending their vegetables in the glass garden, restless dogs running back and forth in the kennels, the silence of the godswood, the
the girls gossiping beside the wishing well. It made him feel like he was lord of the castle, in a way even Rob would never know. It taught him Winterfell's secrets, too. The builders had not even leveled the earth. There were hills and valleys behind the walls of Winterfell. There was a covered bridge that went from the fourth floor of the bell tower across to the second floor of the rookery. Bran knew about that. And he knew you could get inside the inner wall by the south gate, climb three floors, and run all the way around Winterfell through a narrow tunnel in the stone. And then come out on ground level at the north gate, with a hundred feet of wall looming over you. Even Maester Lewin didn't know that, Bran was convinced. Okay, time out. So you can climb through the walls, but there's also water inside of the walls. Um, are you going to drown inside the walls or are we just not, not being, not having continuity here? I don't understand. Certain parts of the castle? Okay, whatever. His mother was terrified that one day Bran would slip off a wall and kill himself. I don't feel like you can say that. Like, I don't feel like you can be like, yeah, he slipped off a wall and killed himself. Mm, he slipped off a wall and died accidentally because he was doing something slightly risky like <laughs> okay whatever he told he told her that he wouldn't but she never believed him once she made him promise that he would stay on the ground he had managed to keep that promise for almost a fortnight miserable every day until one night he had gone out th out the window of his bedroom when his brothers were fast asleep he confessed his crime the next day in a fit in a fit of guilt Lord Eddard ordered him to the godswood to cleanse himself. Guards were posted to see that Bran remained there alone all night to reflect on his disobedience. The next morning, Bran was nowhere to be seen. They finally found him fast asleep in the upper branches of the tallest sentinel in the grove. As angry as he was, his father could not help but laugh. You're not my son, he told Bran when they fetched him down. You're a squirrel. So be it. If you must climb, then climb, but try not to let your mother see you. Bran did his best, although he did not think he ever really fooled her. Since his father would not forbid it, she turned to others. Old Nan told him a story about a bad little boy. You're a bad little boy. He was a bad little boy who climbed too high and was struck down by lightning. And afterward, the crows came to peck out his eyes. Bran was not impressed. There were crow's nests atop the broken tower, where no one ever went but him, and sometimes he filled his pockets with corn before he climbed up there, and the crows ate it right out of his hand. None of them had ever shown the slightest bit of interest in pecking out his eyes. Later, Maester Lewin built a little pottery boy, built a little pottery boy, and dressed him in Bran's clothes and flung him off the wall into the yard below to demonstrate what would happen to Bran if he fell. That had been fun, but afterward, Bran just looked at the maester and said, I'm not made of clay, and anyhow, I never fall. Then, for a while, the guards would chase him whenever they saw him on the roofs and try to haul him down. That was the best time of all. It was like playing a game with his brothers, except that Bran always won. None of the guards could climb half so well as Bran, not even Jory. Most of the time, they never saw him anyway. People never looked up. That was another thing he liked about climbing. It was almost like being invisible. He liked how it felt, too, pulling himself up a wall stone by stone, fingers and toes digging hard into the small crevices between. He always took off his boots and went barefoot when he climbed. It made him feel as if he had four hands instead of two. 
He liked the deep, sweet ache it left in the muscles afterward. <laughs> okay, well, you could say that about any exercise, I think. <laughs> but okay. He liked the way the air tasted way up high, sweet and cold as a winter peach. He liked the birds, the crows in the broken tower, the tiny little sparrows that nested in cracks between the stones, the ancient owl that slept in the, dust, in the dusty loft above the old armory. Bran knew them all. Most of all, he liked going places that no one else could go, and seeing the gray sprawl of Winterfell in a way that no one else ever saw it. It made the whole castle Bran's secret place. His favorite haunt was the Broken Tower. Once it had been a watchtower, the tallest in Winterfell. A long time ago, a hundred years before even his father had been born, a lightning strike had set it afire. The top third of the structure had collapsed inward, and the tower had never been rebuilt. Sometimes his father sent ratters. Ratters. I don't know what a ratter is. What's a ratter? I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it. Google tell me. What is a ratter? A dog. Oh, okay. Or other animals used for hunting rats. Okay, that's what I, that's what I would have guessed. But um, now I have no idea where I was. <laughs> Okay, um, actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, okay, here we are. Sometimes his father sent ratters into the base of the tower to clean out the nests they always found among the jumble of fallen stones and charred and rotten beams. But no one ever got up to the jagged top of the structure now, except for Bran and the crows. He knew two ways to get there. You could climb straight up the side of the tower itself, but the stones were loose the mortar that held them together long gone to ash, and Bran never liked to put his full weight on them. The best way was to start from the godswood, shinny up the tall sentinel, shinny, I don't know why I always thought it was shimmy, but okay, I'm dumb, I guess, I don't know. Shinny up the tall sentinel and cross over the armory and the guards hall, leaping roof to roof, barefoot so the guards wouldn't hear you overhead. That brought you up to the blind side of the first keep, the oldest part of the castle, a squat round fortress that was taller than it looked. Only rats and spiders live there now. Yeah. But the old stones still made for good climbing. You could go straight up to where the gargoyles leaned out blindly over empty space and swing from gargoyle to gargoyle, hand over hand, around to the north side. From there, if you really stretched, you could reach out and pull yourself over to the broken tower where it leaned close. The last part was to scramble up the blackened stones to the eyrie, no more than ten feet, and then the crows would come round to see if you brought any corn. Bran was moving from gargoyle to gargoyle with the ease of long practice when he heard the voices. He was so startled he almost lost his grip. The first keep had been empty all his life. I do not like it, a woman was saying. There was a row of windows beneath him and the voice was drifting out of the last window on his side. You should be the hand. Gods forbid, a man's voice replied lazily. It's an honor I'd, wa I'd want. It's not an honor I'd want. There's far too much work involved. Bran hung listening, suddenly afraid to go on. They might glimpse his feet if he tried to swing by. Don't you see the danger this puts us in? The woman said. Robert loves the man like a brother. Robert can barely stomach his brothers. Not that I blame him. Stannis would be enough to give anyone indigestion. Don't play the fool, 
Stannis and Renly are one thing, and Eddard Stark is quite another. Robert will listen to Stark. Damn them both. I should have insisted that he name you, but I was certain Stark would refuse him. We ought to count ourselves fortunate, the man said. The king might as easily have named one of his brothers or even Littlefinger, gods help us. Give me honorable enemies rather than ambitious ones, and I'll sleep more easily by night. They were talking about father, Bran realized. Well, duh, they said his name. <laughs> he wanted to hear more. A few more feet, but they would see him if he swung out in front of the window. We will have to watch him carefully, the woman said. I would sooner watch you, the man said. He sounded bored. Come back here. Lord Eddard has never taken any interest in anything that happened south of the Neck, the woman said. Never, I tell you. He means to move against us. Why else would he leave the seat of his power? A hundred reasons. Duty, honor. He yearns to write his name large across the book of history. To get away from his wife, or both. Perhaps he just wants to, wants to be warm for once in his life. His wife is Lady Aaron's sister. It's a wonder Liza was not here to greet us with her accusations. Bran looked down. There was a narrow ledge beneath the window, only a few inches wide. He tried to lower himself toward it. Too far. He would never reach. You fret too much. Liza Aaron is a frightened cow. That frightened cow shared John Aaron's bed. If she knew anything, she would have gone to Robert before she fled King's Landing. When he had already agreed to foster that weakling son of hers in Casterly Rock? I think not. She knew the boy's life would be hostage to her silence. She may grow bolder now that he's safe atop the Eyrie. Mothers. The man made the word sound like a curse. I think birthing does something to your minds. You are all mad. <laughs> he laughed. It was... It was a bitter sound. Let Lady Aaron grow as bold as she likes. Whatever she knows, whatever she thinks she knows, she has no proof. He paused a moment. Or does she? Do you think the king will require proof? The woman said. I tell you, he loves me not. And whose fault is that, sweet sister? Bran studied the ledge. He could drop down. It was too narrow to land on, but if he could catch hold as he fell past, pull himself up, except that might make a noise, draw them to the window. He was not sure what he was hearing, but he knew it was not meant for his ears. You are as blind as Robert, the woman was saying. If you mean I see the same thing, yes, the man said. I see a man who would sooner die than betray his king. He betrayed one already, or have you forgotten, the woman said. Oh, I don't deny he's loyal to Robert, that's obvious. What happens when Robert dies and Joff takes the throne? And the sooner that comes, when <laughs> the sooner that comes to pass, the safer we'll all be. My husband grows more restless every day. Having Stark beside him will only make him worse. He's still in love with the sister, the insipid little dead 16-year-old. How long till he decides to put me aside for some new Lyanna? Bran was suddenly very frightened. He wanted nothing so much as to go back the way he had come, to find his brothers. Only, what would he tell them? He had to get closer, Bran realized. He had to see who was talking. The man sighed. You should think less about the future and more about the pleasures at hand. Stop that, the woman said. 
Bran heard the sudden slap of flesh on flesh, then the man's laughter. Bran pulled himself up, climbed over the gargoyle, crawled out onto the roof. This was the easy way. He moved across the roof to the next gargoyle, right above the window of the room where they were talking. All this talk is getting very tiresome, sister, the man said. Come here, be quiet. Bran sat astride the gargoyle, tightened his legs around it, and swung himself around upside down. He hung by his legs and slowly stretched his head down toward the window. The world looked strange upside down. A courtyard swam dizzily below him, its stone still wet with melted snow. Bran looked into the window. Bran looked in the window. Inside the room, a man and a woman were wrestling. They were both naked. Bran could not tell who they were. The man's back was to him, and his body screened the woman from view as he pushed her up against a wall. There were soft, wet sounds. Bran realized they were kissing. He watched, wide-eyed and frightened, his breath tight in his throat. The man had a hand down between her legs, and he must have been hurting her there, because the woman started to moan low in her throat. "'Stop it,' she said. "'Stop it. Stop it. Oh, please.' But her voice was low and weak, and she did not push him away. Her hands buried themselves in his hair, his tangled golden hair, and pulled his face down to her breast. Bran saw her face. Her eyes were closed and her mouth was open, moaning. Her golden hair swung from side to side as her head moved back and forth. But still, he recognized the queen. He must have made a noise. Suddenly, her eyes opened and she was staring right at him. She screamed. Everything happened at once then. The woman pushed the man away wildly, shouting and pointing. Bran tried to pull himself up, bending double as he reached for the gargoyle. He was in too much of a hurry. His hand scraped uselessly across smooth stone, and in his panic, his legs slipped, and suddenly he was falling. There was an instant of vertigo, a sickening lurch as the window flashed past. He shot out a hand, grabbed for the ledge, lost it, caught it again with his other hand. He swung against the building hard. The impact took the breath out of him. Bran dangled, one-handed, panting. Faces appeared in the window above him. The queen. And now Bran recognized the man beside her. They looked as much alike as reflections in a mirror. He saw us, the woman said shrilly. So he did, the man said. Bran's fingers started to slip. He grabbed the ledge with his other hand. Fingernails dug into unyielding stone. The man reached down. Take my hand, he said, before you fall. Bran seized his arm and held on tight with all his strength. The man yanked him up onto the ledge. He yanked him up to the ledge. What are you doing? Oh, sorry. What are you doing? The woman demanded. The man ignored her. He was very strong. He stood Bran up on the sill. How old are you, boy? Seven, Bran said, shaking with relief. His fingers had dug deep gouges in the man's forearm. He let go sheepishly. The man looked over at the woman. The things I do for love, he said with loathing. He gave Bran a shove. Screaming, Bran went backward out of the window into empty air. There was nothing to grab onto. The courtyard rushed up to meet him. Somewhere off in the distance, a wolf was howling. Crows circled the broken tower, waiting for corn. And that is the end of Bran's story. <laughs>